You're listening to How To with Katie and Suze, a podcast created for the young Christian who wants to understand faith in real life. These are your hosts, Katie Hathaway and Suzanne Rhodes. Alrighty, guys, welcome back. Today is a really exciting episode. I um, This is a topic that I am personally just really passionate about. It's part of my personal testimony, but also it's important to me because I feel like it's a conversation that's rarely talked about, but also rarely talked about with the right audiences. And so today we're going to be talking about um, how a Christian woman struggles with lust. I'll be telling my own personal story, so this does not represent um, a a blanket on every single Christian woman who has ever struggled with lust, because this is not universal. It's my own personal story. Um, But I hope through my story and through the things that the Lord has taught me in struggling with lust as a woman, that it preaches to the wider audience and even if you don't struggle with less, you know, I think that this is a really important conversation to know how to love your sisters who do struggle with that well. Um, so I'm really excited for this episode. Katie, I'm super excited for us to just have this conversation together. How are you feeling about it? Me too, Suze. This is something that um, is so prevalent in society right now that is so exciting that we get to kind of take it by the reins and say, okay, here's what uh, Suze has lived through, and here's also what the Bible says. Here's what Scripture says, and um, I'm just excited to hear you tell your story because I love it, and I am just really proud of the way that you have exemplified and glorified Christ through it all. So, Suze, how did this struggle begin for you? Tell us more about your story. Yeah, totally. So it really began kind of out of this desire, this really intense need to just understand, um, understand how sex worked, understand my body. Um, and it really started at kind of the age of 11 and 12. And I was seeking things from society that would teach me and educate me rather than Christian circles. Um, and so I was reading through 17 magazine and I would get 17 magazine every single month because, you know, I was a big uh, One Direction fan and they always had the One Direction posters in there. So I always get 17 magazine. Um, But in it, they would also have columns about, you know, sex as a teenager. And I remember that being like the main educational medium for me. And, and obviously it's not a Christian resource. And so I was just really curious about everything. And it was like, it was like this desire to learn more about sex became a desire to want to know how to gain a guy's attraction. And so I had never had a boyfriend um, all throughout high school and college. And so it was kind of like this desire of there's something wrong with me. And in my mind, I had convinced myself what's wrong with me is that I don't know enough. And so kind of from seeking um, culture and movies and Hollywood to educate me. I then turned to pornography to educate me. And starting that at the age of 15 really took a really deep um, dive into a full-blown addiction that I have struggled on and off with since I was 15, so I'm trying to do math as I'm talking. And Seven years. I'm really... St- seven years. Seven years. <laughs> and so um, 
And it, it is really hard to say, like, this is something I struggle with still because my pride um, wants to go, you know, this is something that's in my past and this is how I moved away from it. But I think there is a real power in saying, I'm right there with you, sister, you know, and this is what the Lord is still teaching me even today. So know that I'm swallowing a lot of pride in saying that is something I do struggle with, but there is such a beauty in where the Lord has placed you right now. So it kind of progressed from a desire to understand to a desire to perform and know how to gain a guy's attention. And and in that um, was just this really unhealthy view of what beauty was. And so in my mind, beauty was lust. And then in turn, lust is love, right? There's no distinction between the two. And I didn't know what healthy love or beauty looked like. Um, and so kind of continuing in this addiction years down the line, really not telling anyone because in my mind, girls don't struggle with lust. That's only a guy sin. And not telling anyone was just really, really deteriorating my heart and really corrupting my thoughts. And so what began as curiosity then became an identity. And it was almost like, I don't know who I am apart from this addiction. And so the objectification of things that I see on my phone is what I'm using to objectify myself. Um, and in my mind, it was just, I was just an object and I was really content in that. And it, I know how corrupt that sounds, you know, I, I get it. But um, that really was probably the darkest place that I was when I still hadn't told a soul you know, what, what is that three years in that I was struggling with this? So that, that was really kind of the origin story and the depths that the addiction became. Gosh, yeah. One of the things that I feel like I'm hearing you say that is something that I'm learning right now is that, um, the lie is that God does not define or provide our good, but the Bible study that I'm going through right now continuously almost every page it says God is the definer and provider of good things absolutely and that's something that has taken captive my heart of okay what does it mean to trust that God not only gives the good thing but defines the good things like the things that I think are good aren't good if they're not defined by God as good and um, I feel like that's kind of what I'm I'm hearing you say is is that that definition got mixed up in your head yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it, it is crazy how a lie just really multiplies upon itself. Absolutely. And then of saying, you know, what God created isn't good then turns into what well, God's not good, you know? Yeah. It's, it is a deep cycle. And Satan's the father of lies. I mean, it says that in scripture. And so when we forget that if, if God defines and provides good, then the only other option for Satan is evil. And so when we stop to believe that God is good and defines and provides good, then we start to believe that Satan does. And that's never true. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so thinking about these lies that Satan had implanted in your mind and had made prevalent to you, how did God reshape them? Because he does, because he's good. And so how did he do that in your life? Yeah, totally. Well, I want to start off by saying counseling really is it changed everything about my addiction. Um, Very pro-counseling yes, on this we podcast. pro-counseling. <laughs> we love counseling. Oh my gosh, yes. And also Christian, healthy Christian community. You know, I was 
I went to college and I was in a community for the first time where I could vocalize this and, and no one judged me. Um, so community and counseling, definitely in my story. And part of the counseling um, was a process called EMDR, which is um, where your mind is um, processing through physical stimulations of rep- repetition and, and rhythm. And so I'm processing the addiction, um, the circumstances that got me here and why and the lies. And one of the main one that began it was I have to know. I have to know because in my mind, purity was the evil. And so kind of just really considering this idea of what really got me here in the first place, the Lord really opened my eyes to understanding that purity is not a hindrance. It is a gift. And so in wanting to throw away my purity and in in the curiosity of wanting to know about the unhealthy desires of my body and, and my sexual desires, um, I was throwing away a gift that the Lord had given me of purity. And it was really reshaping my mind of thinking about the story of Adam and Eve when um, Satan is is tempting Eve. You know, the thing that he tempts her with is, you want this knowledge. And so her, the temptation wasn't just, I want to eat the fruit, but the temptation was, I want to know because I don't want to be pure. And the Lord was really teaching me in that space of counseling that, the purity that he gave Eve was not evil. The evil was wanting to throw away the good gift of purity. And so really coming to a place of, wow, that's where it began, um, was really powerful. And then continuing through that, you know, I, I talked a lot about how the addiction really became this intense need to know how to perform um, and a really sweet story that I love to tell is my senior year, I was involved in five different ministries. Every single night of the weeknight, I had to go to a different ministry and I was leading different Bible studies and different small groups and whatnot. And so I was physically exhausted and also really, really, I mean, a coping mechanism was just turning to pornography or masturbation and I didn't have a healthy coping mechanism. And so one night I was just really in the depth of relapse and I had been doing really well. And then I wasn't doing well all of a sudden. And the Lord just really verbally spoke over me. You don't have to perform to be loved. And I just kind of paused and was like, wow, I, I had convinced myself for so long that I needed to know how to perform, which is why I turned to pornography in the first place, because I needed to know how to perform to win a guy's affection. And then the Lord is physically speaking, you don't have to perform to be loved. And that was really, that was really powerful. And so I fall asleep and I wake up the next day and I'm just so stressed and I'm out of my mind because it's finals week, but I'm leading all these ministries. And then I'm also in this really intense you know, spiritual warfare. And I'm just so exhausted. And I remember like running to my dorm, getting my Bible and running out to go lead this ministry. And it was, again, the Lord verbally spoke, you don't have to perform to be loved. And I stopped in my tracks and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm doing this for you, Lord. (laughs) And, 
And it was such a powerful moment because I am not just my addiction to pornography or my addiction to lust. You know, my intense desire to perform had leaked into every aspect of my life, even the life, even, even the parts of my life that were glorifying to God. Um, and so that was really powerful. And, you know, through that, the Lord taught me this objectification that I had made of myself through my lust addiction really was embodied in self-idolization. And so I um, stumbled upon this quote by C.S. Lewis, and he's talking about the dangers of masturbation. And as I read this quote, he is specifically talking about men, but it is a very powerful reason as to why masturbation is dangerous as a Christian. And so Christian women really can relate to it as well, as well as men. So it starts, for me, the real evil of masturbation would be that it sends a man back into the prison of himself. They are to keep a harem of imaginary brides. And this harem, once admitted, works against his ever getting out and really uniting with a real woman. For the harem is always accessible, always subservient, calls for no sacrifices or adjustments, can be endowed with erotic and psychological attractions, which no real woman woman can rival. Among those shadowy brides, he is always adored, always the perfect lover. No demand is made on his unselfishness, no mortification ever imposed on his vanity. In the end, they become merely the medium for which he increasingly adores himself. Because the danger of masturbation is that of coming to love the prison of himself. And I just think that's a really powerful quote to kind of end this, what the Lord has been teaching me portion, um, because it really is an idolization of self. And in this prison of your mind, you are always the perfect lover and no real man could ever match the fantasies that you've created in your mind. And so again, like I say, it's something that I still struggle with, but the Lord has been so kind to constantly teach me about real healthy boundaries in relationships and a sexual relationship. And just his faithfulness, like his continued faithfulness to to be in your life and to be moving and working and to to redeem and sanctify and um, I just love that about how kind Jesus is to just literally walk us hand in hand through everything. There are so many times where I'm like, Jesus, you could have just been like, all right, Katie, I'm over you. But instead he was like, no, I'm going to love you deeper and better and more true and more full. And gosh, Jesus is just so kind. He's just so kind. Um, the other day I said, I was at a retreat and I said, sometimes it's so annoying how kind God is. Because I can't, and that was that was me wanting to repay God and being frustrated that I can't repay him, but I can give him my life. And and so my friends were like, just continue giving him your life. And that's all the repayment he's asking for. He's just asking for our life. And I love that you have um, learned that and given in to the fact that um, God's just asking for your life. And that's, that's all we can do because he is just that kind. And it's so astounding to me. Um, so... This conversation is is wonderful and and needed and necessary, but it also must have some practicality behind it because there are people that are listening to this that are struggling with this and have never told anyone or know someone who's struggling with it but don't know what to do or 
They may think they know what to do, but they don't know what to do, or they just may need tips, you know, all the things. So for the person that's listening to this, that's like, Hey, I resonate with that. Or I know a friend who resonates with that, or even is just listening in anticipation of knowing a friend who wrestles with this. What is something that you would tell them, Hey, this is helpful, or here's what I would do if I was in your situation. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to reiterate what I said before. Community and me personally, counseling really was a giant uh, step forward in, in addressing this addiction. And so I would just really practically pray, um, pray that the Lord leads you to a Christ-centered, vulnerable community where you can express these feelings. It, it is a fear of, you know, being this vulnerable and saying something that is so stigmatized in the world. But I pray that the Lord leads you to really mature Christ-centered community. So I think definitely do not sit in the dark. And so um, that's definitely been one of it. My uh, journey in counseling helped me realize the importance of journaling. This is not everyone's processing mechanism, but it is mine. And journaling has been really helpful. Just the other day, I was reading through, you know, all the highs and lows of struggling with addiction and the different phases that the Lord has brought me through and writing down my frustrations, writing down my breakthroughs, writing down mundane moments. And it has just been so sweet to look back and say, even though I've seven years into this addiction, like the Lord has grown me so much. So I would really recommend journaling. I think it's a really practical way to write down where you're at, but also recognize what are some triggers that you can see. So when you go into what I call a moment of relapse and turning back to pornography or masturbation, what was the initial thought um, or feeling that, that initiated the cycle of I have to do this there's no way out of this and then writing it down. That has been really helpful to say, you know, physically to look at it and go, that is a lie. And then right on the other side of the page, whatever that initial thought was, I write down a Bible verse. Um, So that has been really helpful in processing what are my, what I call triggers and also processing how I can remember scripture in the moment when it feels like there is no other way that I cannot sin in this situation. Um, but then also, you know, I've, I've experienced a lot of relapse. So there's been a lot of seasons where I haven't um, looked at porn or masturbated. And then just out of the sudden moments of relapse when I thought it was over. And I will tell you that is one of the most heartbreaking seasons, but something that the Lord has continuously poured into my life is the power of grace. And healing is not linear. It is one step forward and five steps back, but it is healing nevertheless. And so no matter where you are in your journey of healing, I pray for grace. I pray that the Lord reminds you of his grace and that you would give yourself grace I would really encourage journaling. It has helped me a lot. Um, And I think that community is absolutely necessary. Gosh, I think if people hear anything from this and what I'm I'm grasping and going to cling to is um, God is the definer and provider of our good and his glory. And his good gifts are good gifts at the right time in the right spaces and in the ways that he gives them. And he is just that good. He's just that good. And his grace and forgiveness 
is just that kind. And um, I've loved this conversation, Suzanne. Thank you for being so open and vulnerable. I don't take that for granted that you are willing to share this part of your story with us and on such a public platform. And I just really thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Okay. So I will lovingly take us into our benediction today. This is my favorite part of the podcast because I think benedictions are just so beautiful and I love that they can be liturgical and we can say them over and over again. And I have a benediction for every morning when I wake up. And I just think that they're such a good reminder of God's grace and kindness. So this week and this season of life, may we glorify the Savior more than the sin. May we trust God as the definer and provider of our good. May we remember that we do not need to perform to be loved by God. And may we walk, well, may we run, not walk into the light because our God is just that kind. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope that you really enjoyed this conversation and we will talk to you soon.